Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast, where we make adulting easier by making money easier. This is your host, Lauren, and I'm joined today by Adam, the friendly Sasquatch, aka Blind Luck. He retired at age 32 from a career in aerospace supply chain management and manufacturing R&D. Adam has a degree in construction management from the University of Washington that he received in 2010. His F-I-R-E, financial independence, retire early story, was born out of necessity due to degenerative eye condition that forced him out of the workforce earlier than originally planned. Thankfully, Adam was able to think outside of the box and make a comfortable early retirement a reality. Since December 2019, he's been living the fire dream. Thanks for joining me, Adam. Welcome. Happy to be here. So today, Adam, we're going to talk about financial independence, retire early. Looking forward to it. Let's do it. But first... I got to ask, can you tell us a little bit about your eye condition? Yeah. So um, I'll just kind of start the high level stuff and then ask the follow on questions that needed. So I have a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, and it's actually one of the leading causes of blindness and um, non-age related blindness, things like macular degeneration, cataract, stuff like that. Um, and basically what happens is you're born with normal vision and it gets progressively worse over time. And uh, my version is uh, partic- particularly aggressive. And um, it starts with loss of peripheral vision. So if someone throws a baseball at you, for example, from the side, you don't see it coming, it just smacks you in the face. And then it closes in and uh, slowly use your, lose your central vision. Um, currently, I can still read on my right eye, but I am legally blind. And um, you know that's partly why I was forced out of the workplace. You know, I, I could still do some things, but it certainly slowed me down a bit. So um, you know, here we are just doing what we can. So how old were you when you first noticed your vision changing? So we've noticed that my brother first, uh, we both have the condition and uh, he was kind of getting lost inside the house at night. Like he'd get up to the bathroom or whatever. And uh, he'd get stuck behind the couch. just really odd places. My parents were like, what's up with this? So they took him into the eye doctor and the doctor's like, hmm, this doesn't look right. So they ended up sending us to University of Water, sorry, University of Washington Eye Center. And um, they did a bunch of tests I won't get into. And they, figured out like, okay, this guy has night blindness and we should test his brother because it's genetic. And uh, the night blindness has the very early symptoms. And that was about when I was probably sixth or seventh grade. So, you know, in the back of my head, I kind of knew it was coming, but pretended not that, you know, just kind of pretended if I could ignore it, it wouldn't, you know, become real. And then in college, uh, it started being more challenging to get around at night and, and driving became a challenge and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, as far as stages of grief, the first one's always denial. And I, I certainly denied it, just hoping if I didn't acknowledge it, it wouldn't, you know, come. But I do remember when I was a kid in the doctor's office, the doctor was like, kind hang on one minute, we're going to be right back with some students. And they came in with like 10 grad students. And they're all like, oh, this is just like the textbook. This is really interesting. And they're like shining light in your eyes. I'm just sitting here like, this isn't good. And all these people coming to look at me, this can't be good. So... Yeah, that was gonna. That's what I wanted to ask about the stages of grief for because I, as as I'm putting myself in your shoes and being in middle school is like the worst, anyways. So to yeah. add anything extra to it, it just sounds like a nightmare. And I felt like I, I felt like like if I were in your shoes, I would have probably put my head in the sand over it. But then as it became more and more real, I feel like you must progress. You've got to get angry you got to go through this why me stage and then I don't I think I would probably end up in depression and I don't know if I would get out of it like what was all of that like yeah I mean I I definitely felt all those things um especially going through something like this at such a young age I think first was obviously denial and then um I kind of skipped the angry step I there was an incident I had at work um 
one of my, so I, I was still driving, not driving at night, just kind of in areas I knew this was when I was about 26. So I've been driving for nine, 10 years and I knew I shouldn't have been driving. Like, you know, even the department of licensing is like, Hey, you got to come in and do a driving test every year. Like you're obviously not supposed to be driving, but they couldn't like technically tell me I couldn't. So I was still driving. Anyways, one of my coworkers one day accidentally backed over his neighbor's daughter going to work one morning. It was a really foggy day. He just didn't see her. Honest mistake. I saw like how much that crushed him. Um, it, it killed the girl. It was really sad. And I was just oh. in my head thinking like, oh my God, I can't be that guy. I can't allow myself to do that to someone else. You know, I, it's not fair to me to make that choice for someone else. And um, so when I was 26, I knew it was time. I needed to turn my car key in before something really bad happened. Uh, I had some really close calls and it was just like, okay, it's better sooner than too late. And um, that was when I kind of shifted from denial to more panic, like, I'm under a ticking clock here. I have to get this figured out. And I had a little money saved up and stuff, but like, I wasn't going to be able to retire at age 32. It's like, you know, I have maybe five, I was hoping for 10 years of a usable work life. And uh, it's like, I just had to figure it out, just kind of start working the problem. So you had a job then, you were in your career. Yeah. So I graduated in 2010 and I was when this happened probably about five years into my first job, uh, it was an engineering company. They worked in oil and gas and marine. It was heavy construction, basically, uh, large projects. And uh, yeah, I was doing quite well in the job. Um, you know, I had to leave before it got dark because of my night blindness. And um, there were some issues I had to work. Uh, you know, we dealt with a lot of blueprints, so, you know, large diagrams and stuff. And with my tunnel vision, that was getting harder. But um, I was doing pretty good in the job. But um, one of the biggest challenges there is they didn't have disability insurance. And, um, you know, I was looking at, you know, the fact that my eyes are getting worse and it's like, well, I need some kind of income if I can't work anymore. Like, what do I do? And I started researching, it's like, okay, I need disability insurance. And, uh, I couldn't just go buy disability insurance because I had a pre-existing condition. It's like that. They're just going to say, nope, can't do that. So I, I, I did a lot of reading online. I figured out if I got a job with an employer that had disability insurance, I would be, um, included their group plan and pre-existing conditions would not be exempted. So that's basically what I did. I went out and found a job that had long-term disability benefits and um, got hired and, you know, started working for them. And eventually as my eyes got worse, uh, I ended up being medically laid off on, um, you know, a disability claim. Can you tell everybody what exactly disability insurance is? I mean, I don't want somebody to think they're going to get like 100% of their pay or something. Like, yeah, there no, there no, are no. limitations um, to things. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think first things first is like, I'll be, completely fair. I was a high earner. I was making like $120,000 a year. Um, so I was making good money, saving as much as I could. Um, I just couldn't quite make it fast enough um, to retire entirely on that. Um, so the way disability insurance works, there's a couple different types of programs. Um, the type I have is you retire and you get a paycheck for 60% of your salary. Um, no, no bonuses or anything like that, just a base salary. And um, there's different terms. So mine is until I'm age 65. So a relatively long term. Uh, but it doesn't adjust for inflation. So, you know, after 10 years in an inflation environment, it might not be as nice as you think. Um, but there's also two-year terms and, you know, five and 10-year terms. So you really got to watch that because I've run into people that think they have a long term, but it's really only for a couple of years until they get something else figured out. So there, there's a whole range of insurance policies, just like car insurance. You just really need to know what you're buying into. I was very fortunate that I was able to get hired with an employer at a relatively high wage with a really good long-term disability um, program uh, that worked for me. Well, I think that was lucky, but you put your research into that too. And you um, had the skills to 
merit that much of a salary. So I think you're selling yourself short there yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I had the skills and not a lot of companies have a comprehensive plan like that. So um, I applied to like 100 jobs, interviewed with maybe 20. Um, and then I got like six job offers and I turned five of them down specifically because they did not have the insurance policy. And uh, I turned some great jobs down, but you know, I knew what I needed to protect myself long-term. Absolutely. So when you got hired, can you tell us about getting hired on this new job and telling them about your eye condition? Yeah, that was, that was interesting. So there's, there's just like a delicate balance between what they can ask you and you do need to be somewhat transparent because, you know, you don't want to oversell yourself because if you walk into a job and you can't perform, you know, if, if you hired for a truck driver job, for example, and you can't drive a truck, I mean, they have grounds to let you go. So I, that's the last thing you want to do. So you need to be able to do the job. That's the first criteria. Um, so at that time, I was using a white, white, you know, cane for blind people um, because, you know, I was running into things and stuff like that. But I could still see well enough to read and use a computer and all that. Um, but yeah, you know, I just, you know, I had a lot of experience. I had um, a good track record. But yeah, I went to a job interview with a white cane. And, um, you know, obviously that pretty clearly signals that, you know, I have some visual challenges. But, um, you know, they did intelligence testing, personality testing. And then obviously I walked to factory floors and all that stuff with them. So they got, I think, a pretty good idea of what I could and couldn't see. I was very upfront about it. Uh, my eyes were bad enough at that point where it's like, if I tried to hide it, they'd just think I was drunk or something, you know, running into stuff or missing things. Like I'd miss things. Like if someone tried to shake my hand, I, I wouldn't see the hand out there. And, you know, they just think I'm being rude or something. So, you know, I often find it's better just to put the white flag up and, you know, kind of surrender like, Hey, look, you know, I do have a, a challenge here, but uh, you know, I am still able to perform the job that you're looking for. And if you come in with a positive attitude, you know, that's usually pretty well received. That's great advice. So what, how long did you work there then? So my first job at the, um, it was a steel fabrication engineering firm. I worked there for seven years. And then the second job, I worked there for just over three years. Um, so I worked there, I believe, 2016 to 20, into 2019. Um, and that was a weird job where I, I got hired. The first day I was there, the boss I got hired by was fired. So that was lovely. And then uh, I found out three days later that that plant was being shut down. And this was a big corporation. So uh, I ended up moving between six different plants um, oh. while I worked here. It was a, a lot of work, but, uh, you know, basically this company had gone in and purchased a lot of local firms and were consolidating them into their, you know, master corporate system. So uh, it wasn't quite the job I signed up for, but I was good at it. And, you know, I needed that disability insurance. So I just stuck it out. And with the disability insurance, is that something that costed you anything out of your paycheck or is that something that was just kind of included? So in my case, it was not something I had to pay for. It was just included. I do know a lot of employers that do offer the benefit. They will charge um, out of your uh, kind of like 401k plan. You just have a deduction and it's usually not very expensive. It might be maybe 10 or 20 cents per hour of work. So it's, it's not very much money to the employer or the employee if they have to opt in. Um, but in my case, it was paid for by the, the employer. Okay. Got it. Yeah. My, mine is too. Um, and that's a good point that you made earlier. I, I should have highlighted it at the time when you were talking about you're on a group plan. And so this, this is true with life insurance as well. If you get, you know, tested, you get your blood work done. Do you smoke? Do you drink? Answer the questionnaire, all that. Then you might be, for example, cheaper to insure outside of the group environment than you would be in the group environment. If, you know, if there's a lot of people in that group that are overweight or do smoke or don't work out or what have you, or older. So yeah. 
Um, so that that's a good point. If you can get into the group, then you don't have to do those, those tests or answer those kind of questionnaires or anything like that. Cause they basically can't single you out. So that's just something to think about. It can work both ways. Sometimes being part of a group can be fantastic. Sometimes being part of a group can be a negative thing. If you know, you know, especially for life insurance, I know I've heard that Yeah, before. or even medical insurance, if your group is older or, and you know, maybe have some people that are extremely high cost the whole group absorbs it. So yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. It's a two way, two way street. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on short-term and long-term disability? Is there, do enough people have this kind of insurance? I mean, personally, I would say probably not. Um, they say that the chances of you having a 12 month uh, disabling event is three times higher than dying. And everybody wants life insurance, but nobody really has, or even talks about disability insurance. And it's relatively cheap when you compare it to life insurance. Um, so I would say, especially if you have kids or something like that, you really should have at least long-term disability insurance. I think short-term, while you're more likely to use it, you can usually figure out a way to make ends meet for three, six months, especially if you're on the path to fire and you have a little nest egg. Uh, But long-term disability for the downside risk that it covers is relatively cheap. I think it's a pretty good policy to pick up, if, um, especially if you have a family. And especially if you're young, like for me, my policy will pay out until I'm age 65. So that's over 33 years. 34 years of payments I'll receive. I mean, for the relatively little amount it would have cost me to purchase it, even if I did it myself, that's a pretty good return on investment. Absolutely. So what are your retirement income streams like? I mean, obviously that the disability insurance is, is part of it. But what does that look like? So disability insurance is kind of weird. So it, it also piggies back on the uh, social security programs, which I'm not a huge fan of because basically the insurance company passing off the private insurance cost to the government. So Mm-hmm. It's a little complicated, but basically it gets broken into, I have uh, income from the long-term disability policy, that's around $2,600 a month. And then a portion of that, it was actually higher than that. There's another portion that was covered by the government. That's about $2,000 a month in addition to that. And then on top of that, I have a small business on the side, um, mostly just passive income. Um, I'm allowed to make up to $30,000 a year under the terms of my long-term disability plan. So I make about another 20 through the, um, through the LLC I have. And then there's investment. So like I said earlier, I was a relatively high earner. I saved a couple hundred thousand dollars and uh, I get return on that as well. So, you know, I'm sitting pretty comfortably. So if I keep my costs down, I don't really have too much to worry about. Um, but it does come from a lot of sources. <laughs> yeah. So doing some rough math, you're at like 70,000? Around 70. And most okay. of it's tax-free. A lot of those programs are tax exempt. Right. And that's huge. I mean, if you were making 120,000, your taxes are, I mean, at least 20, let's say. So you're down to a hundred right there. You were saving some, right? Yep. So that was going into 401k or Roth IRA, whatever that's not going anymore. So you're basically, it sounds like you're sitting about where you were when you were working. You know, it kind of works out, even though it's quote 60% of your earned income is what the policy pays out since it's tax exempt, you're in a lower bracket. And if you have any other income streams, I mean, you're kind of sitting at the same lifestyle you had previously, which is probably why it's structured that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it it totally makes sense. I just wanted to make sure to call people out and let people know like 60% of what you're making sounds, sounds low. But when you think about taxes and the fact that you're, if you're saving, it's really, really, really similar. Yeah. So what's your life like now? I mean, honestly, I'm going blind. So that's, you know, one caveat. Um, So, you know, I I do fight that on a daily basis, but, you know, I do still have some vision left um, while it is limited. So I have been trying to travel quite a bit um, 
to use that vision while I still can. Um, unfortunately, I retired December 19th. So, you know, it happened a few months after December 19th. <laughs> yeah. So the first <laughs> month, or sorry, the first year or so of my retirement was kind of slow, which uh, you're talking about the stages of grief. That's kind of where I went to like my depression phase. And I never got like super depressed or anything, but I did have to process through some of those feelings. Like, okay, like this is where I'm at. You know, what do I want in life? And you start asking like all these questions, like, why am I here? Like, what's the purpose <laughs> of life? And, you know, I was a very driven person, very focused. And I think a lot of people in fire, you know, are looking to become financially independent at an early age, kind of fall into this trap. The end goal, the finish line is their absolute focus. And then they get there and then you kind of just in this abyss, like, now what? Why am I here? Like, what's the purpose? You know, you right. lose some of that, you know, without that end goal, you lose that purpose a little bit. And that was actually at really end- hard for me and add a pandemic on top of it. Yeah, add a pandemic, you know, I'm going blind, like all these other things. It really forces (laughs) you to think about some of these big questions. Um, So yeah, that first year, I really did a lot of soul searching and just trying to figure out like, what did I actually want to do with my life? I spent all this time trying to make sure I wasn't going to become homeless or whatever because I couldn't earn money. I solved that problem. Yay for me. Now what? So um, what I've been doing this year, I've been in 12 states already this year. I've been doing a lot of road trips, visiting family, friends, stuff like that. Obviously, I ride with somebody. I don't drive myself. Um, <laughs> I was just in North Carolina. I'm in Louisiana right now. I live in Arizona. I've uh, been to California, you know, New Mexico, Texas, all those states. Um, but really, I think the biggest thing is I have time freedom. If I want to do something on a Wednesday night, you know, go to a golf course and have dinner with someone, whatever. Um, I just had lunch with uh, the... Um, accidentally retired uh, friend of mine. So it's just, um, the time freedom's huge. You know, you, you don't have to say no to things. You can just go do it. And that's for me, the biggest thing. It, but in a lot of ways, you don't feel any different than you were when you're working other than you just have more time. It's not like this magical, I'm happy all the time feeling. I mean, I still have bills. I had a medical bill to pay this morning. I, you know, was dealing with insurance and stuff. Like it's, it's the same stuff. I can't imagine the amount you probably have to deal with insurance and what a nightmare that is. You know, it's funny. It's because um, my vision condition's not treatable. So like I have no medical costs. I'm super healthy. Like it's just yeah. there. Yeah. You know, it's not it's like just... I'm not going in for cancer treatments or anything like that. I mean, no. it's actually a pretty low cost condition. If they, if they could treat it, it'd probably be very expensive, but they can't. <laughs> yeah. So what, what made you create the blind luck project and start talking about this yeah that's a great question so i do volunteer quite a bit within the blind community here in arizona um partly because i feel like my outcome is really rare like you hear about people who become disabled or who are legally blind or whatever and usually it's a very sad story they live with their parents they don't have much money um and it's just it's like they've given up on themselves a lot of times or they become so helplessly dependent on what little income they can get from like ssi which is often like a thousand dollars a month or something and it's just like, I wanted to show people that you could do better than that. Like kind of be a role model or an example. Like if you, you don't have to be a rich tech worker, you can think outside the box and create a solution that works for you. And maybe you have to use some tools that um, are different than what the typical person does when they retire, but it is doable, but you do need to do homework and you do need to put a plan together and execute on it. So that, that was my main goal is to motivate people. Like I'm not trying to sell a course. I'm not selling ads or anything like that. I, I just want to, if I could help one person that was in my situation, um, I'd be happy with that outcome. And I think there's probably some of us out here that are thinking, man, if he could do that while he was losing his eyesight, I need to get my shit together. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what's your excuse, right? Like if I can do it, you can do it too. 
<laughs> I hate to take it there, but man, that's how I'm, that's how I'm feeling about it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Adam, before we wrap up? You were mentioning earlier, maybe before the um, podcast here, that you might have been overwhelmed or felt depressed about the whole scenario of going blind. And um, I have a story. I worked in a mental institute when I was in college. So I, I worked with people who were either clinically insane or um, had severe, you know, autism, stuff like that. Um, and it kind of gave me a, you know, kind of class to, you know, shut the F up because, you know, yeah, I have my challenge, but here's people that truly have a challenge, like something that's not overcomable. You know, you cannot overcome that. If you're drooling down your face and can't speak, you cannot overcome that. You're at such a low state that um, it's kind of hopeless. So, I mean, I guess the takeaway I had from that is there's always someone that has it worse than you, whatever your problem is. If you lost a bunch of money in the stock market, you have a physical disability, or you have a spouse that has a shopping problem, whatever the challenge is in your life, there is a solution to it. And there's someone who has it worse. So if you stop feeling sorry for yourself and start working on a plan, there is a solution to whatever it's holding you back. And there's a community too. It sounds like that you could be. Yeah. People like Warren. (laughs) Yes. Hello, my little adults out there. Join the adulting is easy community, but also like you're part of the this blind community. You know, there there are communities for things too, which I think are really important for people to remember. Definitely. So why don't you tell people how to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at uh, blind double underscore luck. Uh, I'm sure Lauren will be gracious enough to put that in the description. Uh, I do have a website. I haven't posted on it in about a month because it's been nice weather here in Arizona, so I'm out doing things. But in the summer, as the weather's hot, I do post more frequently. And then I also have a YouTube channel. Um, I haven't posted any videos yet, but more to come on that. So hint that hint there. And um, <laughs> maybe some future podcasts. We'll see what happens. Yeah, let's see what happens. And this, uh, by the time this comes out, we've, we've got like a month of lead time. You might have some videos on there. Yeah, I might. You guys can follow me on Twitter at adulting is easy. I started a YouTube channel. It's at adulting is easy as well on Instagram at adulting is easy real website realadultingiseasy.com. If you like this episode, you may like episode 91 where I talked about a car accident that I was in, the financial impacts from it. You may also like a more traditional fire story as told in episode 77. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Hopefully Adam and I made adulting a little easier for you. Hey, everybody. It's Lauren again. Thank you so much for your support of the show over the last four years. I'm launching a new way for you to support the show, and that's via donations via Cash App. I will put the link in the show notes from now on. If you donate $20, I'll shout you out on the show. If you donate $50, I'll shout you out and send you a t-shirt. If you can't afford to donate right now, that's okay. You can also support the show by telling someone about it. Tell them verbally, tell them via email, or share on social media if you're getting value. I really appreciate you guys. And please don't forget to email me with feedback or ideas at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. Thanks again.